Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. My name is Darth Vader and with me as always is... Luke Skywalker. Cool. (laughs) This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. We thank you for joining us as we explore, discuss, and grow together as followers of Christ. So today, we're doing a Christian of history. And uh, on this given episode, Lucas is going to be devoting the time to talking about Perpetua and Felicity. At least that's how I'm going to pronounce them. And I think how Lucas is going to pronounce their names. Yeah, Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) I think that's how it is. (laughs) It's funny. We've had like two different, both people that you've done were were like not 100% sure because you had Julian of Norwich. And you're like, Norwich? Norwich? I don't know. <laughs> right. So maybe we'll just keep doing obscure, weird names that are hard to pronounce. But uh, if you don't, if we're not going to belabor the point any longer, Lucas, would you like to begin? Sure. So uh, Perpetua and Felicity, and to complicate it further, I've also seen uh, her name rendered as Felicitas. Um, I think, I'm just going to go with Felicity. I think that's the normal English way. Um, so Perpetua and Felicity were two early christian martyrs uh they died in carthage in north africa in about 203 a.d so we're talking really early um historically speaking and they died under roman persecution as was fairly common in the early centuries of the church Um, and their stories have or really it's one story have inspired the church and, and Christians for ever since then, um, which is, you know, if you're good at math, it's about 1800 years that this story has, has, you know, been a service, uh, to the church of, of an inspiration and edification and, and, um, a remembrance of the martyrdom of these women along with their companions, which we'll get into. Um, we have a diary that Perpetua kept, while she was in prison which was sort of filled in by an editor so like the editor filled in the details of like her death because she couldn't obviously write that she part. couldn't ghost write right <laughs> wow that was good but um that was a good one um so think <laughs> like the last chapter of deuteronomy that talks about moses's death unless you don't think moses wrote deuteronomy but that that's different did uh, Perpetua say that she was the most humble woman to ever walk the face of the earth? Uh, no, although I don't have it in front of me, but um, there is some high praise for for Perpetua and Felicity at the end. Um, there you go. There's some funky stuff in the diary that I, I'm not going to get into because c- it's just not super relevant. Uh, like different visions that people are having of, of like these ladders and... Um, <laughs> with like there's this ladder like there's a ladder that has like all these different swords and axes and knives and like weaponry all along it so it's like it says like so if you were to fall like you your body would be like torn to pieces as you were falling down the ladder or something and like perpetua sees this vision and then she's like we're gonna be martyred by the sword or something and then is this when they were in prison yes I mean, it's possible, like, maybe they were severely malnourished or, like, you know, it, it could have been something as, like, a side effect of, you know, being imprisoned or something. Because that does seem kind of... All right, you secular materialist. <laughs> no. Or it could be a vision from the spirit. Okay, that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, anyway, there's some weird stuff. That's not even the weirdest bit that, I, that I'll just be skipping over because it's just not super relevant. But, so, more background on who... 
Perpetua and Felicity were. Perpetua uh, was about 22 years old. She was a the wife of a nobleman. So I don't know if she herself was raised in a noble family, but she was in sort of a well-to-do, um, you know, strata of society. And she was also the mother of an infant son. Uh, and her father was a pagan and her mother was a Christian. So we don't know anything about her faith background prior to being imprisoned and, and eventually martyred. But um, I would assume her mother probably had a, a good bit to do with that. Um, and then Felicity, who was uh, one of Perpetua's companions, was a was a slave woman who served Perpetua and her family. And she was... Uh, eight months pregnant when they were arrested, which is important because it comes up later. Um, at the time of their arrest, Perpetua was what's called a catechumen, which was some is someone who is being trained and prepared in the faith for baptism. So it's someone who hasn't been baptized, who is being taught the 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 faith, um, and in in the early church for people who were going through that process. It was often a really long, rigorous process of like two to three years of training before you were allowed to enter into baptism and then join the church fully. Um, so she was somewhere in that that process of being catechized, being a catechumen. The the Eastern Orthodox Church actually still does this. Um, you 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 still have people who are referred to as catechumens who are being discipled and taught and and in the process of becoming an orthodox capital o christian um it's not i don't it's not really a term that we use a lot as as protestants or or in the west that i know of but it was a common practice in the early church and that's that's who perpetual was as far as her um station within the church at, at at the time so um yeah i we don't know exactly like the details of their of their arrest or you know what was going on who they ticked off or who caused them to be arrested or whatever. But the two of them, along with um, two other uh, companions who I believe were both male slaves, I could be wrong. Um, So there were, there were four that were all in prison together, basically. Um, And it was a time of persecution. They were in prison for their faith. Um, and while they were in prison, Perpetua's father, who, remember, was not a Christian, he was a pagan, he came to visit her in prison, basically to plead with her to sort of save herself by just making the, the sacrifices to the emperor, just getting it over with, recounting her fa- recanting her faith. There's, you know, he, he was really distraught. And, and if you read it, it seems like he really deeply cared for her. Um, but she responded you know she she refused basically so she said um father do you see let us say this vessel lying here to be a little pitcher or something else and her father said i see it to be so and i and perpetual replies can it be called by any other name than what it is and then her father says no and then she says neither can i call myself anything else than what i am a christian so oh snap (laughs) so despite her father's pleadings and and this wasn't just a one-time thing like he he ongoing was trying to plead and and exhort her to to you know renounce her faith to 
offer the sacrifices to the emperor that the authorities wanted as, as proof of her, you know, commitment to the gods and the emperor or whatever. Um, but she refused. Um, and during her time in prison, she was eventually baptized. And she says that in her baptism, the Holy Spirit basically encouraged her that she didn't need anything else to be able to endure the upcoming trials that she was going to face. Like she had this confidence knowing that in her baptism, she was completely prepared for what would be her martyr's death, um, which I think is a really powerful kind of witness to just a reminder of our identity in Christ and our identity as um, people who are marked with the spirit. So, um, also in her diary, we read about how while she was locked up in the dungeon, she um, was basically anxious for her baby because she was separated from it and he was an infant. So um, obviously that's really <laughs> that's a really bad thing for an infant to be separated from its mother for an extended period of time. So she was able to basically get permission for her son to come in and, and stay with her so that she could nurse him and, and be with him. And she says that once she, um, like once her, her infant son was brought in to, to be with her, immediately I grew strong and was relieved from distress and anxiety about my infant, and the dungeon became to me, as it were, a palace, so that I preferred being there to being elsewhere. Um, which, I don't know, just kind of stuck out to me. Um, it's kind of emotional, I guess. <laughs> um, and then after some more time, ho however long, Perpetua and the rest of her companions were brought before uh, the judge or, or the, the, the governor or whoever it was to basically be sort of given a final chance to recant or, or, to, or to not. So her father was there, and again, he was urging her to recant, and, and she was refusing. And he, she, she actually says that, like, he became so emotional and so upset that, like, he was kind of, like, I guess, like, freaking out. And so the governor actually, or the authority, the, the judge, whoever, had, like, the soldiers, like, beat him into submission because he was so, like, distraught and distressed that his daughter wasn't, um, wasn't giving in to... To save herself to save her earthly life by recanting her faith um so as a result she along with all of her companions were sentenced to die uh in the arena you know think of, of like the coliseum gladiators sending christians to be eaten by lions and also and not just christians but criminals and and all kinds of people you know the sort of the classic like roman gladiator type situation that i feel like we've all kind of seen movies about or heard about in, in school or whatever. And it sometimes seems kind of like glorified. Like these are just like such cool events, you know, these gladiator battles, but <laughs> clearly not, not so great for Christian for, you know, anybody involved, not in the audience. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I've mainly been talking about Perpetua up till now and I'll sort of catch, catch us up to speed with Felicity um, so like I said, during all of this, like when she was arrested, when she was brought into prison, she was eight months pregnant and she was really concerned. So apparently um, pregnant women weren't allowed to be um, 
killed in the arena. Um, well, at least they were humane in some way. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, humane, I guess. Um, so because because she was pregnant, she was up. She was like worried that she wouldn't be able to go to her death with her companions to like suffer together as they had been. They had known each other and they were in jail together and they were, you know, I'm sure strengthening each other's faith and encouraging each other as they spent their time, you know, in prison and whatnot. Um, and so there's this really interesting passage where the group prays together for like three days that she would give birth early so that she could go with them to die. And then she does apparently give birth. And so there's, and there's this also this kind of funny, funny, I mean, that might be a little insensitive, but this interesting (laughs) part as well, where, so like, there was this other prisoner. I don't know if it was someone that they knew or just someone else who was in the dungeon with them or whatever, um, who, you know, was responding to like her cries of childbirth pain or whatever. And he was like, how, how are you going to be able to deal with, how are you going to endure the beasts in the arena if, if you're so, you know, in such pain now? And she said, now it is I that suffer what I suffer. But then, so when, when she's, being martyred there will be another in me who will suffer for me because i also am about to suffer for him and she's referring to christ hopefully that's clear but if not she's referring to christ and how um her sort of i guess just courage or peace or i don't know probably a bunch of other emotions as well and feelings and commitment to recognizing that her sufferings are for christ you know i think of paul saying like filling up what's lacking in, in Christ's sufferings by, by his own sufferings and kind of like linking, you know, as we, we as Christians, when we suffer for Christ, it, it's, it's not, it's not really us that are suffering. Like when, when Jesus appears to Paul on the road to Damascus, he says, why are you persecuting me? Even though what Paul was doing was persecuting Christians. So I, I, I think it's a, that's another really cool little quote that comes from this story. Um, so then there's, they're all let out to the, to be killed in the arena. This, it's a little complicated, like to summarize the way that the, the, the translation I was reading, um, which I can also put the sources I used in the show notes. I think that would be helpful, but the translation I, I was reading, I just, it just made it a little complicated to sort of follow it's, but basically like there are all these different animals They're They're being thrown out to these animals. They're getting either the animals aren't attacking them or they're, they're attacking them, but they're not being killed. Um, like it just sort of, it's just seems like this, like several attempts to kill them. And, and, and then in the end they instead, because they aren't dying, I guess they, they sort of round them all up and they, they just kill them with the sword instead, which was something that earlier in the account perpetua had had alluded to that that's what would happen um Hmm. and then it goes on a little bit after that and and it it sort of like extols the martyrs and and there's some 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 really interesting stuff outside of the actual like martyr account um and i think that that it's also worth noting like a little bit um well before i do that so that that's basically the story of perpetua and felicity these two very young women who are martyred 
for the Christian faith, and they, and they've because of the diary we have, their story has been remembered and passed down um, for ever since you know ever since the early third century when they when they were martyred and obviously they're just two names of countless people who were martyred um and are continuing to be martyred if if we aren't aware of what our brothers and sisters are going through around the world particularly i think of the coptic church and Mm -hmm. the persecution that the cops in egypt have have historically and currently undergone um nigerian christians are are in a really rough spot right now of of like murders Is that boko haram i think so um i don't know if it's only them but but i am fairly certain that that's that's where boko haram is from and it's it's not something that's in the past um but we can look to the past to accounts like this to to be reminded of of the martyrs that we have yeah. in our in our family tree um and i think it, it ought to encourage us to pray for the martyrs that that are being added to that to, to that number of people who are waiting under the altar in revelation um every day you know yeah and i also the other thing i wanted to note not directly about this story or about perpetual and felicity specifically is if I would encourage. It's not that long of a read, um, it, at least the what I the version I read um, was online, so I don't know exactly how many pages it is, but it's not that long of a read, and it it might be really interesting not just to get more more into their story, but if you've never read uh, a a Christian account of a martyrdom, it, it's like a whole genre of ancient Christian writing. Like I've read also the the account of Polycarp's martyrdom. And it's really, it's kind of interesting just to, to think how the stories of the people who were being martyred were, were so highly respected that they were not just written down, but, but preserved as well. Um, And I think it shows sort of an attitude towards and a respect for, and a love for, and an honoring of the, you know, what it means to be a martyr um, right. for the faith really is such a powerful testimony and such a encouragement to to living believers um, to, yeah. to just to, to you know hold fast and run the race um, and I think that perpetual and felicity are, are two really really good examples because they are so early and their story has been passed down for so long that um, I was I was super excited to dive a little more deep deeply into it and share it share it here so hopefully it was interesting and hopefully yeah for hopefully sure you dive further into to their story as well as other stories of martyrdoms yeah i mean i i know that i guess at this point it's actually a future episode we've already recorded it but when we when you listen to our episode on annihilationism i kind of bring up a similar point here um I'm i think what did i say annihilationism oh <laughs> <laughs> that was a doc and devo episode yeah. today that's why it was in my mind so i'm so sorry to confuse all our listeners what i'm trying to say is we talk about amillennialism um but what i'm trying to say is that in, in the west especially we just don't have this mindset even of what it means to suffer as martyrs like sometimes we think suffering means like our friends at school think a supreme we're court we're ruling or a Supreme Court ruling or whatever. Like we see that as suffering when like the, the reality for much of the Christian world is like 
actually facing death for our faith. Um, and so for me, you know, I don't even have a concept of what it looks like to know brothers and sisters who are losing their lives for their faith. Um, like maybe they lose Twitter followers. <laughs> That's hardly the same thing. Um, so like, I'm, I mean, I'm encouraged. I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, the, the temporal nature of this world, but also reminded of the blessing that it is to live in America. It's something mm. that we shouldn't take for granted. Um, and if, if persecution, if suffering, if martyrdom were to befall us, we should rejoice all the more because we're worthy to be counted as those who are suffering for the faith, for those who are filling up the afflictions of Christ. Mm. So that, I think that's super cool. Yeah. So if that's if that's all she wrote, we'll... Uh, it is. We'll uh, literally, it's all she wrote in her diary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Uh, we thank you for listening to all of our episodes. I, I'd be really curious to know if anybody has actually listened to all 20-something um, True but if, legends, if you'd like to connect, so. <laughs> right? I think actually I have, but it's because I edit them, <laughs> um, so that doesn't count. So anybody else, let us know if you've listened to all of them. We'll we'll send you something. I'll I'll uh, I'll guarantee that. I don't know what it'll be at this point, but we'll send you something. Probably if you can verify that you've listened. <laughs> yeah, our, probably a from book. our bookshelves. That's pretty much all we have <laughs> if, at this point. <laughs> right. But if you'd like to connect with us, uh, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. Or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We love your feedback, your questions, your episode ideas. Um, Sign up for our newsletter. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day. Peace.